Welcome to Color Me Green, a podcast focused on making the world a greener place. Okay, so I've been thinking about episode ideas and ways I could get more to discuss here. Then I thought, what about all of these natural and not so natural disasters that happen and what do they do to our environment? We know what they do to the economy, human lives, and the look of the disaster areas, but what about the health of the environment? So with that being said, I want to introduce a new series where every so often, I'll research an environmental disaster for us to discuss. Today's first episode of the series, we are starting with the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. That is going to be a mouthful for me for this entire episode, I can already tell. Before we get into the specific patch, as I always like to do, let's get into what causes them, where they come from, and all that jazz. Garbage patches are areas in the ocean where litter, fishing gear, and other marine debris collect. They are formed by rotating ocean currents called gyres. These are like whirlpools that pull objects into one location often the center, which forms the patch. This is because the area in the center tends to be very calm and stable. Therefore, the whirl... I can't say whirlpool. I'm sorry. Therefore, the whirlpool motion draws debris into the stable center where it becomes trapped. Now, these patches are not really patches. They are often thought of as trash islands. That's literally what I thought it was. I heard about this garbage island in the ocean and I'm just imagining just that. Just a ton of floating trash in the middle of the ocean. But of course, it's never just that simple. Even satellite imagery doesn't show a big island of garbage. The debris is actually spread across from the top of the water to the ocean floor. Oceanographers and ecologists, which we learned about in episode 22, discovered that about 70% of marine debris actually sinks to the bottom of the ocean. The debris varies in size, from large fishing nets to microplastics smaller than 5 millimeters. This is how the patches accumulate, because the majority of the debris is non-biodegradable plastics, which if you're a returning listener, you should know that plastic never really breaks down. It just wears down into smaller microplastics. This means you could actually sail through some of the areas of the patches and see little to no debris. The microplastics can actually make the water just look like it's cloudy mixed with other debris. So back to the gyres. I really hope that I'm saying that right because that's the way that Google pronounced it. So that's just what I'm going with. Please do not come at me if I'm wrong. There are five gyres in the ocean one in the Indian, two in the Atlantic, and two in the Pacific Ocean. Each one has garbage patches in varying sizes. The most famous one being the Great Pacific Patch, also known as the Pacific Trash Vortex. That literally just sounds absolutely awful, knowing that something is named that that's just in our ocean. The Great Pacific Garbage Patch spans from the west coast of North America to Japan, It's actually comprised of the Western Garbage Patch and the Eastern Garbage Patch located between Hawaii and California. These areas are linked together by the North Pacific Subtropic Convergence Zone, located a few hundred miles north of Hawaii. 
This zone is where warm water from the South Pacific meets up with cooler water from the Arctic. This zone moves debris from one patch to another. It's bounded by the North Pacific Subtropical Gyre, and it's formed by four currents rotating clockwise around an area of about 7.7 million square miles. These four currents being the California Current, the North Equatorial Current, the Carishio Current, and the North Pacific Current. So sure, there's a bunch of trash just floating in the ocean. That has no real effect on the environment or anything, right? Wrong. Marine life is affected the most, and their lives are connected to ours, believe it or not. Whatever happens to them will have some sort of effect on us, whether we see it or not. Because garbage patches are so far out into the ocean and remote, they can be hard for scientists to study and see the impacts of them. But there are some things that we do know about how marine debris impacts wildlife. Marine life can be caught, injured, or killed in various types of debris, such as lost fishing nets. These nets are often abandoned or discarded due to inclement weather or illegal fishing. These are often called ghost nets because they continue to catch fish even though they are not under control of a fisher. These nets can trap or wrap around animals entangling them. Plastic debris with loops such as six-pack rings, which you should always cut up before disposing of, handles of plastic bags, and many others also entangle marine life. The next one I found very relatable as a pet parent. For example, my cat will eat just about anything she can find on the ground. Then I have to go and fish it out of her mouth so she doesn't eat it and choke. And I'm sure many pet parents can relate to that. Unlike our pets, wildlife doesn't know better or have people to take dangerous things out of their mouths. They mistake debris for food, which can take up room in their stomachs, making animals feel full and stopping them from eating real food. Loggerhead sea turtles, for example, often mistake plastic bags for jellyfish, which are their favorite food. And albatrosses can mistake plastic resin pellets for fish eggs and feed them to chicks, which can die of starvation or ruptured organs. Marine debris also transports species from one place to another. Algae, barnacles, crabs, and other species can attach themselves to debris and be transported across the ocean. If the species is invasive and settles in a new environment, it can outcompete or overcrowd native species, disrupting the ecosystem. Another aspect disturbed by marine debris are marine food webs. As microplastics and other trash collect on or near the surface of the ocean, they block the sunlight from reaching plankton and algae below. These are the two most common autotrophs in the marine food web. Autotrophs are organisms that can produce their own nutrients from carbon and sunlight. If algae and plankton communities are threatened, the entire food web may change. And just a side note, this is the same thing said for any animal. I remember learning about food webs, food chains in school as a kid and knowing now that it's actually true that if just one species goes extinct or is impacted in any way, it can infect the whole chain. Land and sea animals, even humans, are affected by each other. Animals that feed on algae and plankton, such as fish and turtles, have less food if autotrophs can't get the carbon and sunlight they need to create their own food to live. 
Less of these animals means less food for predators such as tuna, sharks, and whales. Food is also at risk by the chemicals that plastics give out when they break down due to the photodegradation, which means they get broken down by the sun. They leak out colorants and chemicals like BPA that have been linked to environmental and health problems. Plastics also absorb pollutants, like PCBs from seawater, which can enter the food chain. So how do we make sure we protect the marine life, ourselves and our environment, from these issues? Well, because the Great Pacific Garbage Patch is so far from any coastlines, no country is willing to take responsibility or provide funding to clean it up. However, there are individuals and international organizations that are dedicating their time to preventing the patch from growing. Cleaning up the debris is not easy. Some of the debris will take a very long time to break down in the environment, while others, like plastic, never fully go away. Large objects like nets can be removed by people, however, as we mentioned, most of the patch is made up of those microplastics that are near impossible to remove. Many microplastics are the same size as small sea animals, so using nets to scoop up the trash would possibly catch these animals as well. So finding an affordable solution that can remove debris without causing more harm to the wildlife is something that we need to focus on. Another thing we need to focus on is what caused the patch in the first place. Specific sources are hard to identify. However, marine debris can enter waterways and the ocean in multiple ways. Ineffective or improper waste management, dumping, littering, or stormwater runoff. Everyone can play their part in helping make sure that less trash ends up in the ocean. The government, businesses, and people like us all have to make meaningful changes. We are the problem, and therefore we must be the solution. I want to thank you for listening to today's episode of Color Me Green. New episodes are coming out weekly, and hopefully each one has something you can take away and learn from. If you want to request a certain topic to discuss, please feel free to message me on the show's Instagram at Color Me Green Podcast, linked in the show notes. If you love today's episode, please make sure to leave a review as I will be randomly picking reviews every week as they roll in to read on the show. One of the best ways to help change the world is to share this episode with a friend and let them also learn what they can do to live more sustainably. And please remember to reduce, reuse, recycle, and live green. See you next week.